Good morning. How are you guys doing? That, that was a little weak. How are you guys doing today? Good. It's a beautiful day here. I just flew in last night from Seattle, so I was traveling all day, but it's nice to be here. And to, um, I grew up in Wisconsin, so we grew up in kind of the Madison area in the city of Stoughton. And then obviously my parents, if you know them, have been here a couple of years. So I've just got to visit here a few times over the last couple of years. But I grew up in an awesome home. Um, if you know my parents, Jerry and Sue, that's probably pretty easy to imagine, but they were awesome parents. They're also very strong believers, strong in their faith, and so that's been a huge example for me over the years. And so I got saved early on as a child. I remember putting my faith in Jesus Christ. I remember making that decision to, to give my life to him. I believe he died for my sins. I believe that I wanted to live my life for Jesus. So that was a turning point for me as a child, and I remember... Just growing up in a home where that was, um, I just was taught so much about God's word. I was taught the fundamentals. I was taught the foundation of scripture and to understand that that's God's word to us. So I'm really fortunate. I know not everybody grew up in that same household as I did. But I want to share a little bit of my story. And then next week also I'm going to be um, talking a little more about what I do as a missionary essentially, as living as a Christian in the world today, in this culture. Because I feel very strongly called that we are called to be Christians and to be in the culture, to be a part of this world. God's called us all to be here and to be a light. And so he doesn't call us to just come meet on Sunday morning at the bridge and talk about God and then go home and talk about God and then go to our jobs and forget about it. And so much of the world kind of lives that way. And I'm not bagging on Christianity. I'm just saying as people, we do that. Sometimes it's hard for us to live out our faith. And so if you want to come next week, I would encourage you. That's really what my focus is going to be. And also I want to challenge you, if you have any friends who've not been to church, or don't know the Lord, or have had some bad experiences in church, invite them next week, because I want to target those people as well, and I want to share the gospel. And so if you have friends that don't know Jesus, it's a good opportunity to bring them in, and it's not going to be as churchy as they might expect, and that's a cool opportunity too for people to hear about Jesus. So I encourage you next week with that. So with my childhood, after getting saved, I remember about middle school is when I really focused in and was challenged in spending time in God's Word. And I want to talk about the place of solitude today. And what that is, is taking time in your life to spend time with God and the importance of that. And so I remember being in middle school and my brother-in-law, actually, my oldest sister, Tina, she married a guy who was at Moody Bible Institute where they went and he became our youth pastor. So he moved to Stoughton, Wisconsin, and he was our youth pastor. And some people would think that was tough, just like being a pastor's kid could be tough. But I was one of those kids who just loved it. I loved being a pastor's kid and I loved that my brother-in-law was my youth pastor. So he was very close to me, and he, um, he just spoke into my life a whole lot. I know God spoke through him, just like through my parents. And so I was in middle school, and he challenged me one day, and he said, Man, I want you to try to read your Bible for 30 days, and if you do, I'll take you to McDonald's. And I was 12 at the time, and I'm a huge advocate of McDonald's, and I'm not... I know, it's just funny, because I'm 30, and I love it, and I eat it all the time, just all the time. I love fast food. And when you tour and you play in a band and you travel, that's what you have. You have fast food. So it's a good thing I love it. So even as a kid, this really appealed to me. And when I was seven, I started getting the 20-piece chicken McNugget on my birthday. Total side note. But I remember that. My dad would take me and he said, you get whatever you want. So by seven, I was hardcore into the McDonald's thing. So this is what my brother-in-law, John, said. Try reading your Bible 30 days. I bet God will speak to you. So I did it. And I was like, I'm going to get McDonald's. I'm pretty disciplined. So I organized it and I did it every day. And I couldn't believe it because I knew a little bit about the Bible. I mean, I knew most of the Bible stories. I had grown up with that. But I was just amazed as I read and I read how much it applied to me even as a kid in modern-day life. I mean, I would read these things, 
and you know, I'd go through something at school, and I'd come home, and, and I'd read my Bible, and I was just amazed. It was like God was speaking to me, but I thought, how is that possible? I mean, I know it's God's word, but it was written 2,000 years ago. Why does this apply? But it totally did, and so God used that in my life, and so I got to the 30 days, and I had really started building this habit and this form of what was going to change my life, and it was something silly because I was just trying to get to the goal at that point, but I know God still honored it. And so I challenge you, if you've never spent time in God's word consistently, it will make a huge difference in your life. And I try to say this everywhere I go, but this is God's word. It's 100% truth. This is from God. And so everything in here is accurate. And I know people pick it apart, and they're going to for the rest of time on earth and try to say this is, this is not from God, but it is. And even though it's been retranslated into English, and that wasn't how it was written, this is still God's word, and this is how he planned to get it through history and so this is absolute truth. So this will change your life. It's God speaking to us. And if you spend time consistently with God, I promise you that he's going to change your life. I challenge you with that if you've never tried. You know, it takes 21 days to form a habit. I remember hearing that in middle school and only three days to break it. But if you can spend time every day for at least 21 days, you'll start to see that become a routine and a pattern in your life. Now, middle school, about that same time I started, I really started to get more serious about prayer as well. And I remember, I would pray about a lot of things, but I remember what really struck me that was cool is I would pray for things that were important to me, but I thought, you know, I'm a kid, and it's easy to think my dad's a pastor, so he's going to pray about something, and God's probably going to honor that, but probably not a kid. I'm 12, you know. So I started praying for a drum set, and I started playing drums when I was 12, and I prayed for a drum set every day for over a year. And I remember this because it was pretty important to me. And I was like, God, if you give me a drum set, I'm going to play drums for you. And I kept praying about it. And after a year, somebody in my church came to me and they said, we feel like we just got this money and God's telling us that we should buy you a drum set. And I was shocked because here I was, 12, 13-ish, right around that time. And I was thinking, that's crazy. I mean, I can't believe God is answering my prayer and it's that important to him. And that really showed me that I felt like that was God. That was kind of one of those milestones in my life where God was saying, I do answer prayer. And maybe I don't always answer the way you want, but if it's important to you, pray about it. And in that instance, he did answer it the way I wanted. And so that was awesome. I mean, that was something really cool for me to see. So nothing is, if it's important to you, it's important enough to pray about. Just make that part of your spending time with God on a regular basis because that's something that, you know, that's something that should affect your life also. I look back too and I think about my parents and just the, the example that they set for me. They were constantly spending time in God's word. And so if you didn't have that role model, I know it's harder to grow up with that. And I was fortunate to. But I look at my parents over the years, and I knew they spent time in God's Word regularly. It was just something they did every day. And then I remember times, like I remember going through college. They took one day a week typically in different seasons of their life. They've done this where like they fasted every Thursday. And my mom would call me Wednesday and say, hey, we're fasting tomorrow, and we're praying for our kids and praying for things. And so they would take a day to get away and spend time with God. And I was blown away by that because... Even though I respect my parents, they're still human. That's still hard to do. You know, It's a hard thing to devote that much time to prayer, but that's the way they lived. They lived with that kind of integrity, so that is something that's definitely influenced me. And you know, I've started at different times in my life to try to spend more time with God. Like if I have something really important to pray about, I'll try to set aside time and do that. I remember one time a couple years ago, I was praying about some career changes, and so I said, I'm going to take a day, and I'm going to go spend time with God. I'm going to go have some solitude. I'm going to go get away. So I went away, and I took my journal and my Bible, 
And I sat there for an hour, and I went out kind of into the, not even the wilderness, but more like into a forest. It was about the best I could do near Seattle where I lived. And I sat there, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I journaled, and it was hard. And I was like, it's been like 30 minutes, you know. It was just hard. And I kept going. I was like, I'm going to keep going. I ended up going five hours that day, spending time with God. And that was a real struggle for me. And I know most of you guys, it would probably be the same kind of thing. It's not the kind of thing you could do every day. But there's times you should set aside for some solitude to spend time with God like that. And you know what? It's, it is hard because of our culture and because of how much we have going on and how much we're used to and how many things we have going all the time. And I turned my phone off. And I was like, I'm going to focus on this time with God. I'm not going to be on the Internet. I'm not going to check my Facebook. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to spend time with God. And that was a really, I mean, that was a tough thing. But God speaks to us during that time. And it's not that he does not other times. It's a lot of times we can't hear because we have too much going on that we don't really stop to listen to God. So that's why I want to challenge you guys on this today. So let's look at Jesus' life because he is definitely the best example of this. Oh, one other thing I was going to share too. My buddy Bobby, who is one of my best friends from college, he's now a worship pastor. This is awesome. Every year they take time with his staff where they go away for three days, and everybody on staff spends three days with God. And basically they spend the whole day alone with God. They can't talk to anybody. And they come together at night and share a little bit, go to bed, get up and do it again for three days. And I was just blown away when he told me that. And granted, we're not all pastors. We don't all have the liberty to go away for three days and you know, get paid for that as your job. But I was still blown away because I thought, man, what an awesome discipline to be able to do that. And he says he looks forward to it every year. Like he loves it because he knows he's going to go into that time and he's going to see God speak into his life more than the rest of the year because he's so busy, just like everybody else. So he's not here today or anything. I wish he was, but I just I thought that was awesome. So let's look at Jesus' life. I want to start with Mark verse 135. We're going to have the verses up here, so you can flip if you want, but I'm going to be going to a lot of different verses, so I don't want you to feel like you have to be flipping all over the place. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So this is Jesus. Now, if you know the ministry of Jesus for about three years, especially those last three years of his life on earth, he had the disciples, he was traveling all over, He was speaking, he was preaching the gospel, he was healing the sick, he was forgiving people of their sins. This guy was busy, and everywhere he went, he was kind of like a celebrity because people wanted to see him, they wanted to come get healed, they they just heard stories about him, they wanted to hear him teach because his teaching was so amazing. And so this guy was busy. But what's cool is that Jesus took the time, and it was important. If you look at his life, throughout his whole life, he set time like this. He went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And that was just that was something he did to spend time with his father. Then we'll go on to five sixteen of sorry, Luke five sixteen. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. That's just another reference I wanted to throw in there because I love this that it says Jesus did this often. This was a regular part of his life. And again, this is Jesus. He's God. He's a hundred percent man, but a hundred percent God. And it was important enough to him that he needed to get away often to a lonely place, to a solitary place, away from all the noise, all the crowds, all the people, and he had to spend time with God. Then we'll go on to Luke 6, 12 to 13. One of of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. So where did he go out to? A mountainside, okay. Okay. And check this out. He spent the night praying to God. So how long did he pray for? 
He prayed for the whole night. That blows my mind. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, who he also designated apostles. So we already know he's going out spending time with God and something he did often. But if you look at that, he goes out, he gets away, and he spends the night in prayer. And then the next day, he gets up to call the apostles. This is when he designates them. This is when he picks all the different, the 12 guys. So this is a pretty major decision. I mean, this is a big, this is a big thing in history that changed, that changed in the New Testament, these 12 guys. And so Jesus was leading up to that, and he spent the whole night in prayer. And I don't know that the scripture's in here for this reason, but one thing that stuck out to me is I thought that was a great example. You know, if you have big stuff coming up in your life, spend some time in prayer. Get alone and be with God. If you're trying to figure some things out, if you're trying to make some decisions, that is like just an extra time that you should probably up your prayer life, up your solitary life with God, and just get away and spend time with him. I understand you probably can't get away for the whole night and pray if you have family and kids and all that. But maybe you have that opportunity. But if you don't, take some time to do it because that's Jesus' example. I think that's a great one. Then we'll go on to Luke 11, 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Now, if you look through, we've, I've been going mainly through the book of Luke on these passages, and there's different times it talks about the scripture. And, I mean, it talks about him going out and praying, and that's what he does. And what I think is cool here is talking about the disciples are finally starting to catch on. You know, they've watched this. They've watched Jesus go away to a solitary place. They've watched him pray. And finally they're saying, hey, teach us to pray. We see what you're doing. We see you're setting an example. And so Jesus goes on from here to the Lord's Prayer, and he, you know, he teaches them how to pray and how to be thankful and how to honor God and then how to ask God for things. And that's a great, I mean, that's a whole message in and of itself. But I love that the disciples are finally starting to catch on. And they still don't totally get it. They watch him do it the rest of his life on earth. Even remember, they get to the garden right before his death. Jesus goes into the garden and he says to the disciples, Stay awake, watch and pray that you don't fall into temptation. And then he goes away and prays. And he knows he's getting ready for the cross. He knows what's coming up. But it's still that important. And, you know, that's where we see Jesus is really struggling with that because he's got to go to the cross and it's such a hard thing to do. He goes into prayer about it. And the disciples fall asleep. It's like they drop the ball again. But he's encouraging them to pray. But then he's teaching them to pray. His whole life is an example of this, of spending time with his father. And I go back to the same idea of us. If you put that in your life, if you make it something consistent, it's going to become a pattern. 21 days, that's what creates the pattern in your life of doing it over and over. And that's a good way to look at it. Now, I heard, um, I heard a guy sharing a story recently when he was speaking that I thought was really cool. And it just kind of reminded me of my childhood and different things. But... Have you guys ever had one of those days, like my mom made these cinnamon rolls when I was growing up, and this was really just one of those awesome things where you wake up in the morning, and you don't know maybe that it's coming, and you wake up and you kind of smell it in the house, or maybe your mom made fresh bread or something like that, or your wife, or whatever the situation, but you wake up and you kind of smell it, and it's just awesome. The whole house smells like that, so you start getting ready for your day, and you you know you get up and shower and put your stuff on, and you're getting ready, doing your hair, whatever the case, and and you get down there, and it's just like by that point, you can hardly stand it because the smell is going all the way through the house, and it's awesome. Now, can you imagine if I hit one of those days growing up, and my mom had made those cinnamon rolls for me, and I came down, and I was all excited, and it smelled great. And I said, hey, Mom, I love you. That's great. I don't have time. i got to go. And then I just left for my day. Or maybe it's one of those big breakfasts, you know, with waffles and eggs and bread and everything. And I walked out. Would you do that? I mean, who would do that? That's pretty ridiculous. 
But then let's stop and think about our relationship with God and try to, try to kind of compare it to that. God wants to spend time with you every day. And God wants to speak to you. And God wants to talk to you through his word right here. This is, this is something we have access to. We don't live in a country where it's illegal to read this. We don't live in a country where we're going to be thrown in prison. And probably everybody here either owns a Bible or has access to one. If you don't, come talk to me and I will make sure we give you one today. And how often do we run out and we're too busy for God? And I don't say that like, hey, that's you and not me. I do the same thing. Like how often do we run into those situations where we could spend time with God, but it's not important enough to make our list for the day because we have all these other things. And I understand busy schedules. I know you have families. I know you have soccer practices. I know you have kids. You have school. I know you guys have real jobs. And I understand that. But it's the God of the universe who wants to have a relationship with us. And if you know Jesus and you have a personal relationship, you can't just run out and not spend time with him. You're not going to grow closer to him. Just like I wouldn't do that to my mom if she made something for me. It's something, I mean... It's just, it's that important. We've got to put it in our lives at some point. Okay, if you're taking notes today, which I don't see a lot of people doing, that's okay. I would encourage you to write these next couple things down. They're kind of a few practical applications for your life. And they're kind of five principles that I've come up with for spending time with God. And the reason I encourage you to write these down, not because I've got the greatest ideas, but if God speaks to you right now, in this message, which he, which he does, he speaks to us, you're liable to forget it. That's just the bottom line. And I heard a statistic recently about how much we hear when somebody speaks publicly and how much we remember. And I didn't write it down, so I don't remember what the percent was, but it's not very high. And so I made a New Year's resolution this year. I'm 30. I made a New Year's resolution. Hard to believe I'm a pastor's kid. I've been spending most of my life not taking notes, hearing great messages, not taking notes. And so this year I said, you know what, I'm going to take notes in every message I go into. And so I bought a little journal, and I carry it with my Bible to church, and I take notes every Sunday. And God speaks to me, and I look back at the notes throughout the week sometimes, not all the time, but then if there's a point especially, and if just writing it down, you're going to remember it more. And so I encourage you, because if you think about it, you guys, if you're here regularly, you hear my dad speak, and so you probably hear on a Sunday morning, and he's preaching, and it's just awesome, you know, just awesome, right? <laughs> and so God's speaking through that, and you go away, and you're like, man, that's an awesome message. And then you're like, let's go out for lunch. So you go out for lunch, and you're sitting at Red Robin or wherever, and like, man, that was a good message, wasn't it? Yeah, what was he talking about again? I don't know, but it was awesome. And that's how we are. And it's not that it wasn't good or you weren't hearing anything, but you didn't write anything down. So that's my little side note. You don't have to write it down. I'm just saying that's something God's teaching me right now. I'd encourage you. We have the skills to write things down, and it's just something we pass because we're kind of lazy sometimes. And, you know, if you don't have a journal, sometimes I forget I take my phone out and I take notes. That always gets a little iffy because if you're sitting in the front, people think you're on Facebook or texting, and they don't think you're taking notes. But, Or at my church, everybody's got iPads, which is really funny because... Like if I'm up speaking or I see somebody speaking and then you look down in the front row and you got all these iPads, you're like, are you online? Are you taking notes? It's just kind of funny to watch. But anyways, a couple points here. Let's take these down. Number one, expect God to meet with you and have something to say. Expect God to meet with you and have something to say. Well, I think this one's cool is because so much of the time it's like, just like we know scripture is 2,000 years old, 
we have a hard time sometimes spending time with God and feeling like it's relevant to our lives. And God doesn't necessarily speak to you every day through Scripture, but he will sometimes. So if you go into it and it's hard, just ask him. Just pray and say, God, I would love to hear from you today. Please speak to me through this passage. I did that a lot, especially as a kid. And a lot of passages are just hard to understand. You know, don't start in the Old Testament for sure. Start in the New Testament if you've never read the Bible. But if you read the Bible, it's great to get through all of it. I remember I started going through it as a, you know, as a middle schooler. And then I got on a plan to read through the Bible in a year, and I did. But man, you're going through like Leviticus and some of those Bible or books in the Old Testament. It's pretty confusing stuff. I'm not saying God doesn't speak through that. I was just saying that's pretty hard for a kid to grasp. So I would encourage you, ask God to speak to you. And now I've been through the Bible maybe five or six times, which may seem like a lot. But if you look at it, I've been reading the Bible for almost 20 years. It's really not that much. And so I could always be spending more time with him because he's my father. Expect God to meet with you. And you know, one uh, verse I wanted to point out is Jeremiah 29:11. A lot of you guys have memorized this or might know it. But for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And I threw this verse in especially because it's like, for a lot of people, it's like, well, why, does, why is God going to speak to me? Why does he, you know, why does he care about my life? Even if I have a relationship with him, just like the idea of, yeah, you know, Pastor Jerry and Sue, of course, he's going to speak to them. But what about the rest of us? And I've felt that a lot of times. But then scripture is so clear. He's got a plan for my life. He's got a plan for your life, wherever you're at. And so that's why he wants to speak to you. That's why he wants you to spend time with him. He's got a plan for your future. So number two, use the Bible. In your place of solitude, spending time with God, use the Bible. The Bible is God's love letter to us. I can't express that enough. And I think devotional books are awesome, and I think in this day and age we have so many tools that help us understand Scripture. Those are great. We need to use those as well. But I would just challenge you, don't let a devotional book take the place of God's Word because God will speak to us through devotional books. There's so many things well-written by guys who understand Scripture and girls who understand Scripture better than we do. And so that is a great tool. But don't make that the entire thing that you do to spend time with God is read books. And I'm not saying don't read books. I'm just saying make sure the Bible is part of that because the Bible is specifically what God speaks to us through. 2 Timothy 3:16-17. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So all Scripture is from God. And you know, Men wrote this down, but it was all of it was inspired by God. Every part that was written is in there for a reason. And so that's why Scripture is so important. So use the Bible. All right, number three, if you're writing these down, you'll like this one. Number three is write it down. And what I mean by that, we've been talking about, is especially journaling. And this is something that not everybody is excited about doing, but this is something I would like to say for my personal life, God has used a lot. And so I started journaling in middle school where, you know, I, I don't really journal like, hey, I had a great day, blah, blah, blah. But if I spend time with God, I read scripture, I ask him to speak to me, and I write down a little bit about my day and maybe something in the passage. If it stuck out to me, maybe it did, maybe it didn't, but I'll write that down. And the point of writing it down is you can always go back and see 
And I, it was probably my mom who suggested as a kid was writing things down when I was praying for them. So I remember in middle school, I had a thankful list. Because I remember learning through the Lord's Prayer, you've got to be thankful for things first. So I wrote down all these things I was thankful for so that I could pray about them every day and thank God. And I, I don't do this today anymore, but it was such a good foundational thing that helped me in the way I pray. So I would write down things I was thankful for so that every day I'd have to look at them and read it and pray about it. And then I had another list of things I was praying for, just like the drum set was on there. So those things were written down. And then when God answered a prayer, I'd cross it off and put the date next to it and then eventually move it over to the thankful list. I know it sounds kind of basic and like, oh, I'm not going to take all the time to do that. But you'd be surprised how many times God answers prayer and we forget about it. And it's not because we're trying. It's not because we're bad people. It's just how we are. That's just life. We get busy. We get going. And God has done so many things in my life. And how many times do I still hit a rough point where I'm like, ah, God never speaks to me. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I don't understand what, you know, I struggle with this stuff more than I would like to admit. And it's like, man, just look back and see all the places God did answer prayer, where God did speak to me, where God did open a door for something else. If you write them down, you have a much better chance of remembering. Then you can go back and look over a journal maybe at the end of the year or the end of the month, every couple months, whatever the situation, and you can say, wow, I guess God does care. I guess he does have a plan for my life. Turns out he did answer some prayer, even though I thought my year was bad. Wow, look at all these places where things changed. And again, I'm saying these are things from my life that have worked. I'm not saying you have to do all these. I'm just saying if you don't have it figured out, these might be some things you could try. If you've already got your system of spending time with God, then stay with it because I'm sure it's probably working for you. So number three was write it down. Okay, number four, remove all distractions. This might be the hardest one for us in America in 2011. Remove all distractions. Turn off your phone, turn off the TV, turn off the iPod or the radio, turn off your laptop. And whatever it is, even if you start out with five minutes a day, you know, get out of the noise and just spend time with God. Just read his, read his word and then just sit and listen. Maybe you pray for the things you need or thank him for the things. And then just sit for a minute and say, God, speak to me. It's hard to do. It's really hard to do. Yeah, I'm a professional musician. I have a very hard time not being around noise all the time. It's just become part of my lifestyle. And, you know, some people like to listen to worship music when they're spending time with God, and he speaks to him through that. That's great if that works for you. That does not work for me because I'm a musician, because I'll be sitting there, and I'll have a song on, and I can't read and listen to a song. Like if you hand me a book and you start a song, I don't even care about the book because I'm just lost. And all of a sudden I start, oh, listen to the drums, listen to the guitar. Oh, that's a good song. And then I get totally distracted. So that's why I'm saying we're so used to hearing noise all the time. You guys are used to having your iPod on and being on your computer and having your cell phone and you're texting two people at one time and you're writing an email. And I know I do the same things, but shut it all down and just spend time with God. That's probably one of, really one of the hardest things for us to do. So take that time to do it. And I know especially being married, this is funny how it's changed for me. I've only been married two years. Actually, our anniversary is this week. And my wife is flying today. She had to work yesterday. She'd be here. But she'll be here next week, so please come and meet my wife. And being married is funny because I keep my phone on more because, like, what if my wife needs to get a hold of me? And so what happens is I set my phone next to me, and I start doing my quiet time and spending time with God. And everybody starts texting just because they are. And then I get emails, and then my phone starts buzzing, and then what do I do? My 
my nature is, well, I better check, you know, it's probably important, it might be my wife, might, and then before you know it, I forget what I'm doing. And I just share that because you've probably been in that situation. So if you can do it, take the time, shut the phone off. It's probably not going to be the end of the world during that half hour or five minutes or whatever you spend. It, it's really probably going to be okay. Um, oh, even growing up, one thing that was cool, my dad and I used to run together and be distance runners. And neither of us are really anymore because of our bad knees, and I've had several knee surgeries. But I used to run um, half marathons with him, and I remember if I wasn't running with him, I'd run by myself, and I used that time to spend with God. And so I'd be out running six or eight miles or whatever the distance, and that was a really good time too. And maybe that's in your day. The only time you get away is when you go exercise. And so if that's your opportunity, you know, just look for something like that. I'm not saying you have to be sitting down and you have to be holding your Bible and you have to be in a meditation position. I mean, I'm not saying that at all. If that's your time with God, then spend that time with God. He's still going to speak to you even if you're running. He can do that. He's God. He, you know, he can handle that sort of thing. And for me, another time is driving, which doesn't work for everybody. If you're distracted driving, which sometimes you are, but a lot of times that's my time where kind of over the last couple of years, I don't listen to music in the car. And that's weird for me because I've always listened to music, but I've just taken the time driving where it's like, if I'm not with somebody, I just shut it down and I drive in silence. People think that's so weird because my friends get into my car and there's never music on. They, you know, it's just uncomfortable. They're like, Ugh, we're not talking. Should we turn on the radio? And I'm like, oh, I just kind of like it quiet when I'm in my car. There's enough noise the rest of the day, especially after you start playing and shows and being on tour and you hear it every day for seven hours or eight hours. You're just kind of like, man, I'd like some time to just listen. And so another way you could do that is CDs that are God's word. And I mean, I know not a lot of people do this one, but I've done times in my life where I've listened to scripture on CD where they're just it's just scripture. It's not it's not a message. I've done I've listened to a lot of messages too while I'm driving, which is another good use of your time. But just spending time with God listening to the Bible. And I remember when I was moving from Actually, I was moving from Nashville, where I went to college, up to Seattle, and I had a 50-hour drive by myself. And so I had James Earl Jones reading the Bible. And, I mean, if you're going to listen for hours, it was pretty epic. It was kind of like Darth Vader, just like <laughs> scripture coming at you. But I made it through, I don't know, a couple books of the New Testament. I mean, probably like 10 hours or something. A lot of time listening, more than we would ever normally listen to the Bible. So... It's just another option. You know, today there's so many options of how you can do this. But I'm encouraging you, find something that works. And, you know, what I like about Jesus' example, too, is it says sometimes he got up early in the morning and he went to a solitary place. I've tried that, and that works for a lot of people. That does not work for this guy. But if you can get up in the morning and you're a morning person, you get up before everybody else, that's perfect. I remember in middle school I was trying to do that, and I would set my alarm, and I thought it's got to be in the morning. That's the most spiritual time. That's the way Jesus did it. And so I'd set my alarm and I'd get up and my parents let me have a little coffee maker in my room. And I didn't even drink coffee. I still don't. But I made hot chocolate every day. And so I made hot chocolate and I just kept spilling. And I'd fall asleep in bed because I was trying to read and hold my hot chocolate. It just didn't work for me. But if mornings work for you, that's great. But now I do it at night. And I just realized as I was pre preparing for this message, some of these verses, Jesus went away at night. So, hey, it couldn't have been that unspiritual, huh? I don't think he cares when you do it. He just wants you to spend time with him, you know. Maybe your lunch break during the workday works and you get 15 minutes away with God. You don't have to be legalistic about it. Maybe you change it. You know, I find with human beings, we typically need routine. So if you pick a time and stick with it, it works for you. 
But maybe it's like during the weekday, you do it during lunch, and on the weekends, you do it in the morning or night, you know? Whatever works for you is okay. But I would encourage you, make that, make that part of your life. I promise you, God will change you. Okay, number five, the last one. This one's a hard one kind of to swallow. Be prepared for spiritual battle. Be prepared for spiritual battle. We're going to go, we've got a passage from Ephesians 6. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And if you've read Ephesians 6, you know it goes on to the full armor of God, and it talks about those different pieces. And the way you put on the full armor of God is spending time with God, getting in his word, understanding scripture. That's how we prepare for battle. And the reason I bring this one up is because I can't tell you how many times I've seen this in my life. That's what distractions are. Not, I mean, I'm not saying all distractions are from Satan. That's not the case. But if you try to spend time in God's word, I promise you, you're going to face attack. And no, that's not exciting. Who would be like, yeah, I want to be attacked by the enemy. But I'm telling you, if you're trying to grow in your walk with God, you're going to face some hard stuff. It's not stuff you can't handle. It's just going to be some challenges. And... I've seen this a lot in my life, especially doing ministry. I travel now and speak. Um, I've played in this punk band the last seven years. I've toured kind of all over the country, and I've gotten to be in a lot of really dark places. And if you try to stand up and be a light for God, you're going to face criticism. You're going to face attack, and you're just going to start being attacked in your personal life. And you're going to start having doubts or whatever. You know, you're going to be attacked in areas where you're weak. We've all got weaknesses, and so I get hit all the time. Well, I've found, you know, if I'm getting ready to speak or something, like preparing for this week. I had a lot of distractions this week while I was trying to prepare this message. And it was just really hard for me because I've gotten to, I've been speaking the last couple of years. But anytime I come up to kind of a ministry opportunity, I find my life is attacked. So I'm saying that's going to be the same kind of thing you're going to face. If you're, you know, a Christian that's never really spent time with God and you're all of a sudden going to try to make this consistent, Satan doesn't want that. Because you're going to grow closer to God, and you're going to push the world further away, and all the crap, essentially. So he's going to try to take you down, and you just got to be prepared for that. And God has given us everything we need to handle it. So we're not going to, you know, you're not just going to fall because you're attacked, but you got to know it's coming. That's part of the, you know, it's part of the Christian walk, and something I really encourage you. Early in our marriage, which we're still early in our marriage, but right after we got married, I remember I was booked to speak at a couple youth camps. And so Bryn went with me, that's my wife, and I just remember we got to those camps, and all of a sudden we just started fighting, and it was weird. I mean, it was like just unusual, we had all this tension between us, and it was really hard for me, and it was hard for her, obviously, as well, and I just remember being like, man, this is ridiculous. I'm here to serve God. I'm here to preach the gospel. I'm here to see kids get saved, and it was like our marriage was just in, in all this tension right then, and and then maybe the second or third time this happened, I realized, you know what? This is happening every time we come to try to do any kind of ministry together. We have all this conflict between us. And we realized it was spiritual attacks. We started praying over it. And we started kind of assuming, you know what? We're probably going to face this every time we do ministry. Now, that's good that we realize the downside is we do ministry together every week. And we serve in our local church. And we both are on the worship team. And my wife sings and leads worship. And I play the drums. And... We find a lot of Sunday mornings, it's like the worst time for us to be married because we're both focused on doing ministry, but we hit that time 
and it's just like we get attacked. And so you've got to know those things are coming, and I'm still learning how to do that. I don't always do the right thing. Sometimes I'm a good husband. Sometimes I'm a bad husband in that situation, but being on alert and being prepared for it, which spending time with God prepares you for that, putting on the full armor of God, spending time in prayer, spending time in solitude, you're ready to handle those things. You know, as I close, I want to share um, just that one other thing is the idea of fasting. And that's a whole separate message in and of itself, but I want to share from my life. If you look at fasting in Scripture, what it is is it's taking time to pull something out of your life. And typically food was the example used, but there's other things you could use as well. And it's taking something out of your life to focus on spending time with God. So it still goes along with this theme of solitude or trying to seek God. And, you know, for me, there's, I watched my parents fast growing up, so I understood it. If you look at Jesus' life, remember he took 40 days where he went into the wilderness, and he spent time with God. He had solitude. He didn't eat or drink for 40 days. I don't encourage that. If you've never fasted especially, start out with, like, trying to, trying to do a day or something. And I remember I did seven days a couple years ago where I took seven days where I didn't eat any food, and I just drank water. And it's probably the hardest thing I've ever physically done to make it through those seven days. It wasn't like I was dying, but I'm so used to excess. I'm so used to my fast food and just this culture of excess all the time that it about felt like it about killed me. But I cannot tell you the spiritual growth in that week of spending time with God because the idea is not to be, it's not to be a spiritual person. It's not like if you fast, you're going to be a better Christian. It's not like if you read your Bible, you're a better Christian. You don't earn God's love. We know that. It's, it's growing closer to God. And so during that time... I spent so much time in prayer because I wasn't eating that God started speaking to me on a lot of levels. And he might have been speaking to me all the time, and I was just missing it. But you really focused during that time. And so, like, I have a really good buddy of mine in college, and he literally did a 40-day fast of no food, and he just drank water. wasn't drinking, like, smoothies or anything. And that's really, that's pretty dangerous. You have to do that with medical supervision. I'm not even suggesting anybody here tries that. But if God calls you to it, then I'm not going to get in your way either. He felt very called to it. And he was 28 and was praying for his wife. And the next month when he finished the fast, he met his wife. So I was pretty challenged by that because I was like, wow, that's awesome. So I decided to do a 40-day fast because I wanted to pray for a wife. And I thought, well, it worked for this guy. (laughs) So I started, what I decided to do was a Daniel fast. And what that is is basically if you look at Daniel in the Old Testament, you know, we've, we've coined this fast after him. He didn't specifically call it that. But if you remember the time, him and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those guys were taken captive. They were brought into the king's court, and he tried to feed them all this stuff. And he said, let us just take our guys and set aside. We're just going to eat fruits and vegetables and then see who's wiser at the end of these 10 days. So we've taken that principle kind of into modern culture, and the idea is to just eat fruits and vegetables. So I took 40 days where I was just doing that, you know, Nothing else, no sugar, no caffeine, no fast food, no meat, which is hard. I mean, it's really hard, especially for me, because if I could just eat meat all the time, I would be fine. But just eating fruits and vegetables is pretty lame. So I did that for 40 days, and I've actually done a couple of those. And the first one I did, and I was praying for a wife, and God answered all kinds of prayers during that fast. And he did not answer bringing a wife into my life at that point, which was hard, obviously, but it was, you know, it wasn't his timing. So then, three years ago, I decided to do another 40-day fast, and I was doing this book that's a call to die. It's a really good book on fasting, on spending time with God. 
And during this time, I had a buddy on tour who called me, and he said, hey, he works at a smoothie shop in Seattle, a guy in my church. I was in his wedding. He said, hey, I just hired your wife today, and I can't wait for you to get home and meet her. And I was like, yeah, okay, sure. And if you're a Christian guy or girl, and you're in your mid to upper 20s, sometimes you face flack if you're not married. I see that hand, yes. <laughs> and I don't want you to feel pressured because there's no time you have to be married by. But I always wanted to be married, so I was really surprised I wasn't. And if you're one of those people in that age range, I feel your pain because people give you flack all the time. People are always trying to set you up and find your spouse and bring God's will into your life and force it to happen. And so, and pastor's kids, so it was like everybody, oh, I've got the perfect wife for you. And I'm sure people had great intentions. It gets old, though. So he calls me and says this, and I'm like, okay, we'll see about that. I said, you know, how do you know she's my wife? And he's like, well, she's a Christian. She's really cute. She likes music. And I was like, that is lame. That's like every girl that works in your smoothie shop. That's not even a big deal. So I came home to meet Bryn, and I walked in, and Bryn's purse was sitting on the counter. And she had this book sticking out of the purse, A Call to Die, 40 Days on Fasting. Not a, it's kind of an obscure book, not well known. And I was doing the book at that time, and she was doing the book at that time, and she was fasting, and she was praying about meeting her husband. And I look back, it's just so funny, because God sometimes does this stuff, and I feel like it's just him just showing us that he still has a sense of humor even. And, and we met, and we kind of hit it off, and we were in the same place the same week of the fast. We'd both been at it three weeks. And so we met, and like a couple months later, we started dating, and then a year later, I asked her to marry me. And I'm not saying just fast to find your spouse. It's a good reason to fast. But I'm saying God obviously answered prayer during that time in my life. And so I encourage you, if you have stuff you're praying about, maybe you're praying about a career change. Maybe you're praying about something big. So Bryn and I have been married almost two years now. We took the month, what is August right now, right? Yes, still August. So we've taken the month of August to set aside, and we've fasted, and we've done a Daniel fast this whole month. This isn't like something we do all the time. I know I'm telling it, and you guys think, oh, yeah, you must fast every month. No, I hadn't fasted since before I was married. So we took the month of August to fast and pray about moving to Nashville. Reason being, I live in, we live in Seattle. I went to college in Nashville, and there's tons of music there. And there's a lot of, a lot of my friends play for a lot of big artists now. And so I've been in this band in Seattle, and I'm kind of at a point where it's coming to a close, and I'm trying to figure out what's the next step for me. And so my wife works at World Vision in Seattle. With it. We have the U.S. headquarters there, and so she works in the call center where you sponsor a child, and, and she loves her job. But we've been praying, what if God calls us to move to Nashville? And we thought, let's take a month and really pray about it. And so we try to see maybe she can transfer to World Vision down in Nashville, and then we can move there, and I can look for a gig playing the drums. But we thought, we don't know. We just keep talking about it. We've been talking about it probably all year. So we're like, let's spend some time and get closer to God. So we've taken the month to do this, and we've prayed, and we've prayed, and we've fasted. And we've done it just to hear God speak to us. And we got to this week, and she had her job kind of interview on a call to Nashville this week with World Vision. And they said they just filled this position. There's no openings. And we were, we'd kind of put it up to, if they offer her the job, we're going to just pack up and go. And if they don't, we're going to take that as God saying, you know what, this is not the time. I'm closing the door. So the door was closed on that, and we both felt peace about it. And I still don't know what's the next step for my career. I'm uncertain. That's why I'm speaking on solitude today, because this is where God's hitting me right now. I don't have it figured out. But I know God honored that fast, and at the end of it, he spoke to us and said, now is not the time to move. I still want you guys where you're at. And so we felt peace about it. 
And I'd encourage you, try that in your life. If you're at one of those turning points or situations where you want to hear from God, that's a great way to do it. So I want to close today. Um, I want to take a minute and pray for you guys, but I really challenge you, wherever you're at spiritually on your journey, you might be here and you might not know Jesus. And if that's the case, I'm really glad you're here. And if that's where you're at, please come talk to me afterwards. I would love to talk to you if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But I would assume today a lot of you guys probably do, and most of you do, and that's why you're here. And I'd encourage you, where are you at in spending time with God? Not to come down on you, not to be your parent, but to tell you that's where I'm at, trying to up spending time with God. Not to be religious, not to make God love me more. I can't do that. He already loves me enough that he died for me. He's forgiven me. I can't possibly make him love me anymore, but I can grow in my walk with him, and I know that you can. And you might spend an hour with God every day, and if that's where you're at, I look up to you and respect you, and I want to get to that. But then if that's where you're at, I'm sure you're looking at what's the next step God has for you because you're seeing your path more clearly of what God's laid out. And that's what we essentially all want is to figure out God's will for our life. So think about that this week. And I want to close with a passage from Psalm 46. And this was up during worship, and we didn't even plan that. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for a chance to spend time with other believers. Thank you for a chance to worship you. Thank you that we can worship you with our lives. Thank you that we can worship you through a message and through singing worship to you. God, thank you that we can worship you with spending time with you in solitude. Father, I pray for every person here, wherever they're at, God, that you would challenge them that you would show them the importance of being in your word. Father, I pray that this week as they go away, they would commit to spending some time with you. Father, even if it's five minutes a day or two minutes a day, that they would make that a priority, God. And I ask that you would speak to them. I ask that you would make yourself real to them and that you would just show them how much you love them, God. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.